Hello everyone and welcome back to Now You Are Playing With Power. If I were to enunciate any more my lips they might fall from my mouth. This is a podcast, a Nintendo one for sure. And uh, welcome, this is episode 14. And uh, joining me as always as every single bi-weekly period, it's Bally. What's up Bally? Hi MBZ, getting into the hype train for both Mario Kart and E3 Hype Train. E3 Hype Train. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, slotting in the uh, eight four play p- references already, but uh, <laughs> jumping out of my pants for E three. Oh Can hell yeah! Wait. Everyone is. We we got to get excited about it, and uh, you know, leading up to that, we will do more E three coverage. Um, but today we're just going to be uh, giving you your regular old podcast. So so that's great, uh, and we're just going to kick it off as the usual with uh, what we have been playing in the past few weeks. Uh, we actually recorded early last time, so it's been like a three week period. Lots of stuff been happening, um, but I know. Bali's had exams. I've had exams. Uh, so you know, st- still, still uh, not a huge amount of uh, stuff being played. But Bali, what have you been uh, getting into? Well, I may have had exams, but I still completed a game from start to finish. That is very uh, impressive, I have to say. Um, so last week, last week, last time, the the metaphorical Super Metroid was sucking your blood, MBZ. It was attached to you. It was draining every, every last bit of blood in you out and then when it was done it left you there on the side of the street and then it, it <laughs> floated over to me and then it just latched onto my head <laughs> oh no su- like a metroid like a real metroid it so, just took control exactly so the super metroid went from you to me it sucked my life out of me and yeah so i was i've been playing super metroid a nice and, a nice way to uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it took me a while to come up with that but anyway um yeah so Overall, I really thought it was a great game. Um, absolutely. Um, where to start? Where to start? Um, well, I guess, you know, you played Fusion very recently, right? Yes. So your perspective coming into Super Metroid is slightly different to me. You know, I've had like eight or ten years of Fusion reverence. You know, it's a game that I adore and I love. And, you know, I'm, the problems I have with Super Metroid lie in the control department, right? Because I don't think it's as smooth or as clean or the interface is as good. What do you think uh, coming into it much fresher? Um, well, the first thing that struck me that was different between um, Fusion and this game is that the the story drops you onto this foreign planet rather than the space station. And I just, I really, really prefer the idea of just being on this for, foreign planet, Zebes, 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 Zebes. I don't know. It's, many Zeebs. pronunciations are available. Well, that that place. Sure. And. You have nothing, and it, the music is really kind of eerie, and you're wandering around. There's hardly any enemies at the start, and there's a few really little simple ones, and you're just... It, it all feels really eerie, and I felt that so much more in this game, especially at the start, um, and in general, to be honest, um, than I did with Fusion. So you really get much more of that sense of isolation, right? Isolation, exactly. That's a perfect word to summarize it. And yeah, because you're obvi- in Fusion, you're constantly having the back and forth with the computer. Like, there's lots of dialogue happening, and, and Samus has her internal monologues at points when she's up and down elevators. So you kind of get more of a more of a you are completely alone on this huge planet, and it's like it's very organic and stuff, and it all kind of fits much more together, right, than the sectors do in Fusion. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, at the start of the game, the planet actually feels quite small. But as you progress and as you unlock areas, you gradually realize that there is an awful lot of 
space that you just don't know about at the start of the game that you finally unlock right um, and in in these outer reaches there are bosses obviously and it's just really cool the way that they're there they're they're hiding behind all these areas that you you didn't even know about um which and in terms of the bosses i thought they were one of the best bits of this game um they're really epic in scale right they really turn it up really epic in scale yeah and i mean i thought that some of the, a lot of the boss fights in fusion because there are so many boss fights mm. a lot of them don't feel very epic at all and that's that's even including maybe the music and sometimes the scenario sometimes there's a boss just on the way to somewhere else in fusion occasionally whereas in in super metroid these bosses are locked away in the very far reaches of these worlds and i really liked that feeling um especially ridley at the end um yeah and the cool thing about ridley he, he's tucked away in an area that you've previously visited but you have to go back there once you've upgraded and you have the ability to go in lava and not get hurt and then enter his hideout and of course the uh, famous music comes up and uh it's, exactly. it's all fantastic from there yeah so yeah. one of the main things i struggled with and this is something that happened with me in fusion is that i naturally do try to find as many items as I can and sure so energy tanks missiles super missiles power bombs um, and I was the same in fusion I tried to find as many as I can but in in actuality I found a very 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 tiny percentage um, of the the, the power-ups and as a result in fusion as well I was left with very very few energy tanks I mean I think I completed fusion with only about half the energy tanks yeah yeah um, in this game I was it was an even worse situation because I was missing energy tanks left right and center because by the time I was at Ridley I had four energy tanks. Yeah, you had the um, reserve tank though, didn't you? I did have one reserve tank. Is there only one to collect? There are two reserve there are tanks two. in fact. Okay, well I got one of those luckily. Yeah. Um, which doesn't actually add a whole lot more. I mean it may, maybe adds like 80 more health I think. Uh I no, I think it's a full 99. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it will activate like a fairy in Zelda, right? Basically, as soon as you hit zero, it'll refill yeah. it back up. So I had four energy tanks plus one reserve to face Ridley. Which sounds horrifying, and I have no fucking clue how you managed to beat that guy <laughs> with that setup. Because literally, I was down to the wire with Ridley, having tried him at least ten times with, I don't know, maybe seven or eight energy tanks at least. So Well, I... It must have taken me maybe just under 20 times to do this. And this is obviously with save states. Now, I wasn't save stating during the boss, um, but I did save state just before the boss, and I must have reset about 20 times. Yeah, well, it would have taken you that long. It became like this ceremonial dance every attempt. It was just, oh, yep, I shoot my missiles in here, I jump, yep, okay, swap over sides, okay, shoot up again. And it just took... A really long time, um, but you just get it down to a science by that point, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's basically was... just muscle memory and re- yeah. repeating patterns and learning patterns, right? Yeah, absolutely. And wow, yeah, like felt really intimate with Ridley for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was weird. It just took ages. Um, uh, what, what do you think about just the general idea of save stating in these virtual console games? Do you think it will help you, for example, if you wanted to go back to play Link to the Past, for example, right? That's a pretty hard game, um, and you know, you, you 
don't have uh, an easy way through it if you don't have the save state. So do you think that would help you? Definitely. A game like Link to the Past is on my bucket list, and I do plan on playing it eventually, potentially on Wii U through the Virtual Console and with Agreed, save yeah. states. So. Definitely. I personally think it just depends on the game, really. Um, in Super, for Super Metroid, for example, there are, and this is very different to Fusion, there are a lot of platforming areas where if you fall, if you miss your jump and fall down, rather than just land in some lava and die or on some spikes or something like that, you just simply land on a platform that is below. And mm-hmm. that pla- and that platform is linked via maybe four rooms that you have to work your way through around to right. the left or the right. So with little things like that, I always save stated because I just I don't want the chore of just having to run back through four rooms just because I misplatformed something. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's really frustrating. So yeah. I think save states are great. I mean, let's be honest, games. In that period of time, in the early 90s, they simply weren't as streamlined as they are today. No, and, I mean, the technology just wasn't there for it to be exactly. done that way. Exactly, and I think, even though Super Metroid, don't get me wrong, is an incredibly streamlined experience, um, I think that save states do help you help these older games become more playable. Um, Definitely. I, I agree that they would make them easier, Um but I don't think they break the game I, because ultimately you, you still have to play the same game through to complete it. You're not actually gaining anything. You're just saving time, basically. Right. I call it, mu- yeah, I call it much more of a time saver than anything yeah. else. It just it just helps in that way. So, so yeah, that's great. Um, we didn't really mention about, you know, how I talked last time about Super Metroid, my issues with scrolling through the different weapons. You uh, were mentioning to me that uh, you kind of enjoyed that there were a distinction between normal missiles and super missiles and that kind of stuff? It wasn't so much even between the two types of missiles. It was especially the grappling beam. I thought that was a really cool item. Um, I was I was really surprised that there wasn't one in Fusion, um, to be honest, when I played Fusion. But um, yeah. I just really think it's it's well implemented. It it's, it's enhances many of the platforming areas. Um, it's just really cool. And I it's obviously an iconic um, item, weapon for Samus as well. Um, and well, it's I, part of her Super Smash Brothers lineup. Yeah, exactly. It? And I think it's just a really cool weapon. And I like... I don't know whether I prefer Fusion's more streamlined um, weapon selection or Super Metroid, because I I must admit, I do like the way that you have lots of different items to use, um, and I especially like the the X-Ray Vision. I think that's a really cool item that helps you so much at the end of the game. Um, obviously, it didn't help me to get more energy tanks, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think it's a great... A, a, a nice system to be able to scroll through these items. Um, I would say that it's important to remap the button from select because that's a really silly place, especially on the game Wii U gamepad, um, to have it. I mean, I played this game entirely almost with the um, Wii U Pro controller, uh, which I've been using a lot recently. Yeah, I think that's actually, I think that helps you a lot. And I remember because I was around at yours playing Mega Man 2 on that thing. It was really comfortable, and I thought it was a great controller to be using. Uh, and I think that actually, if I'd played through Super Metro with the pro, pro controller, I would have had an easier time. Well, if it's in my defense, I'd also add that I defeated Ridley on the gamepad. 
okay well (laughs) so so i just got up one morning i think it was a saturday morning and i was like I'm going to fucking defeat Ridley. And then I just got <laughs> up and I just... a day to fucking kill the yeah, dragon. And God, I just burned like a whole battery just trying to defeat that. Oh, my Lord. Oh, wow. God. It was it was good, though. It was good. Great fun. Um, and that's the great thing about the gamepad is just you just wake up in the morning, <laughs> get, the sit in bed, and you're on the gamepad and you're playing a full, um, full Super, uh, Super Nintendo game. It's really nice. It's um, great, yeah. So overall, I think super metroid considering this game came out in what 1994 two? i believe so i think it's 94 yeah 94 it, it's unbelievable it is really cool game it's so, it, like it feels so ahead of its time right absolutely i mean we play a lot of smash brothers and we know even though we don't we didn't used to play certain games including metroid um, right we we knew about Metroid because of games like Smash Brothers. So right. it's all those little nuances and, and things that you know that are in Metroid that you just see here in the flesh for the, the first time they appeared in the ser- the actual series, um, which is just really cool. Right, for like Craid, Craid, for example, who's in one of the stages in Smash Brothers, you mm-hmm. know, we, we were made aware of his appearance when we first played Smash. But We were like, oh, I don't want to do that stage with the creepy alien in the yeah, background. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, yeah, but... no, Kraid is not the great boss. Um, I actually defeated Kraid second time. Yeah, you were telling me. I was impressed. Yeah, um, and the reason for that, in my, I would say, is because his some of the stuff he throws at you, if you shoot it, you can get power-ups. Yeah, you can get uh, health pickups and missiles and stuff. Yeah, yeah health pickups, I should say. Um, so I actually found him much simpler than a lot of the other bosses. I was also going to say there... Um, who's the third boss? Crocomire? Not Crocomire, no, the not one Crocomire. after Crocomire. Uh, the Fantoon, the ghost Fantoon. ship. Fantoon. Do I want to say Fantoon? No, who's, af- who's after Fantoon? The Meridia boss. The Meridia boss. Uh, I, th- I believe he's called Dragon or Dragoon or something how do like you, that. How did you defeat this boss? Right, so I did it the traditional way. Once you told me there was this shortcut, I looked it up online and I was stunned. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Um... But yeah, I did it traditionally. I just I just wailed on him a bunch with missiles and, and charge shots. So I basically tried a few times. I was getting nowhere. I looked it up online how to defeat him. And then this trick immediately popped up. And it's not like a trick trick. It's not like a cheat trick. It's a thematic cool trick, I thought. Yeah. So I was like... I'm just going to try this trick. So for those who don't know, and I guess this is spoilery, but how can you be spoilery about a game this old? But Right. <laughs> so when you get into the room, you destroy um, these lights, I think. They're like lights or something at the yeah. side of the room. Yeah. And when they're destroyed, they'll, there will be a remaining current, like an open wire flowing. Yeah, just electricity just electricity popping out. Electricity just popping out of it, flowing. Um and what you have to do is let it the boss pick you up. Yep. And then while you're in the grapples of this boss, you grapple onto the electricity and it basically drains both of your health. Uh, but it drains the boss's health far faster than Samus's health. So you basically zero out your health and you kill the boss in one shot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's what I did, and I just thought it was a really cool thing. I mean, I obviously could have worked it out. I not I 
I obviously would never have worked that out, but I could have worked out how to defeat it the traditional way. But I was just really struggling, so I had to look up something online. Yeah, um, it's it's a really cool Easter egg. Whereas with Ridley, there's less secrets. It's just you need to wail on his face. And that's exactly, you just need yeah. to just push a shit in, in. rather <laughs> than a technique. It's yeah. it's more technique based rather than um, how do you say? It? There's not a trick. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's no easy way. There's no easy way of killing Ridley. Yeah, oh, missiles God. to the face. But overall, I I like the I love the ending of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, just with the baby Metroid. Oh, it's just really cool. And there's just the idea that the whole planet destroys itself at the end after you defeat yeah. Mother Brain, and then you have to escape to your ship. I love that. I love thematically that idea. Right. So that it, do- it doesn't just end with the end boss. You exactly. have to go through something it's, else. It's the isolation coming full circle. Sure. It's you discovering this entire planet, finding the mother brain of the planet, destroying the mother brain. The planet is d- collapsing around you. You've just been supercharged by this Metroid, and you're just blasting your way trying to get to your ship at the very end of the game. You fly in your ship away, and then the game ends. It's just a fantastic ending. I really enjoyed the whole thing. Exactly. And I mean, you know, limited hardware, an old game, but it still gets that message across extremely effectively. And, and I uh, should say I only paid 30p for it. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> this was back this was back during when Nintendo were doing a promotion for the 30th anniversary of uh, the Famicom and uh, virtual console stuff was hitting really uh, really cheap. So, uh, a great pickup for yeah, some. Excellent. So. Well, there you go. We've talked Super Metroid to death, I believe, but uh, it is a game worthy of uh, of such chatter. So such uh, epitaphs, <laughs> many, many indeed. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all you've been playing this week, Valley, right? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I also downloaded uh, Trine Two. Exactly. On my the, recommendation, uh, on your recommendation, I played a lit- very little bit of it, um, but that it will be the chat for another time, I'm sure. Exactly. So, uh, I guess we move on to what I've been playing. Uh, I've actually played a lot of games uh, in the past few weeks, but I'm going to concentrate on two of them. Uh, and the main one I want to talk about is, of course, uh, the game that I got most recently for 3DS. And it's not out in the Americas, unfortunately, and it does still doesn't have a release date for out there. That's really weird, isn't it? It's strange, right? It it's weird because it has been fully localized into the English language, and all the voice acting is going to stay the same because it's you know it's American and British because Leighton is British and Phoenix Wright is American. So uh, yeah, uh, Phoenix Wright versus uh, Professor Leighton. It is Ace Attorney versus the Puzzle Master, uh, and this uh, this was really interesting for me. So to give context. The only Professor Layton games and Phoenix Wright games I'd played before were DS ones, right? So I was used to the 2D art style um, and, you know, the limited UI functions and kind of... There's lots of stuff which was kind of clunky, I think, in the DS games, though they were still really great, that they streamline exceptionally in this uh, iteration uh, and just make the game so much more playable and uh, the pacing is just immensely better. It's so much better. I remember talking about when I was uh, going through Trials and Tribulations, the third Phoenix Wright game, uh, and how I said to you, like, you get bogged down, right? That was the thing I was going, like, you get bogged down in Phoenix Wright sometimes because the pacing is bad. This game does such a neat thing where essentially every single hour of the game that you play, it kind of comes to a stop and it says to be continued. And it gives you the option to save and switch off. And that's how I started playing it. The first, you know, when I first got it, I was like going through an hour 
and then put it down, and then an hour the next day and put it down. And, you know, some days I play a couple of hours, and some days I only play one. But it was really nice to have it in that kind of packaged, bite-sized way, because mm-hmm. each section was kind of built uh, nicely. So so that was really cool. Um, and then just on a presentational level, both uh, it's really cool to see both these characters in 3D. Now, I know that Professor Layton had 3DS games before, but I've never played either of those. I know Phoenix Wright had a game, Dual Destinies, which came out on the eShop, but I haven't played that yet. And in fact, this game was made before Dual Destinies because, uh, well, basically, this came out after it but was made before it but for some reason this took forever to localize um and so it's the first it, it is i don't think it's as good presentationally as dual destinies is but it's still really nice to look at um and, and it's it's fantastic because the 3d works really well i i'm afraid there is a bit of ghosting um which i haven't seen the likes of since i don't know i guess you know the... is, is that maybe not an issue with the xl yeah that's what i was gonna come yeah. to because I mean, I can't really remember the last time I saw Ghosting. There was a little bit in Luigi's Mansion, maybe? At um, times. Mainly at times. Pilot Wings for me. Yeah, definitely. I think w- w- the bad problem with Ghosting that I have is if it's a dark background and you have like a lighter character uh, in front of it, it gets really bad. And that happens a lot in uh, Layton versus Right because when you're solving the puzzles, after you've solved a puzzle and put in your answer, it will go to this screen where it's black behind the character and the character's standing there like posing, like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And then finally they'll point at the screen if you got it right. And during those segments, it's always ghosting all the time, no matter how high the 3D is or how low it is. So I guess it's just you know a blend of color sort of problem um but yeah the the 3ds xl that i was playing on certainly has a factor to play uh because it's it just you tried it right and it is it really does hurt your eyes after a point yeah i mean i put in mario kart um seven and just i thought i've never played a three xl before so i just pumped the 3d on full and it was just undoable I just couldn't. I couldn't find the sweet spot. It was my eyes were working super hard, and it just wasn't happening. I just couldn't. I just couldn't focus on the game. It was quite weird, actually. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I don't know. I think the 3D in the XL is still great. You just need to keep it low uh, <laughs> and not push it all the way, because otherwise you will uh, induce horrible problems for yourself. But anyway, back to the game's presentation. Uh, I thought that it's really cool that they've now implemented full voice acting. Now, they don't voice act every single thing because that would be insanity. There is so much dialogue in this game. The game literally is dialogue. Um, but there's a good amount. And the fact that the game's about 20 hours long and that they still do a decent amount of voice acting, I think, is pretty impressive. Uh, similar to Fire Emblem Awakening, they have really nice cutscenes, though these are mainly like 2D. Um, they're, they're basically animated cutscenes as opposed to like 3D models. Um, and they're great as well. So there's a nice balance there between that stuff, and it it helps to you know change the pace now and again because otherwise you're constantly reading, um, and that can wear on you uh, at some point. So uh, you know every now and again hearing the characters' voices come in and injecting uh, some some more life into the game itself is great. And I did play the entire game with headphones on. Uh, this is not the sort of thing that I could play while listening to a podcast because <laughs> it's story driven yeah. and. Uh, you know, there's dialogue to read, and I couldn't concentrate on two things at once. Can you do that? Is there any way for you to like listen to a podcast while also playing a game that involves story? Never, no, never. Um, I I try and keep podcasts even strictly to very kind of 
um, bite-sized games like Mario Kart, Pilot Wings, that kind sure. of racing games are great for podcasts. And mind-numbing. Well, the, the second mind-numbing games. Yeah, great. the second game I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, is very good fit for that. But, um, but yeah. Uh, so, so I, I was fully concentrated on it and, and put my full attention into it. Um, and I think you know. To be honest, I would actually recommend this game as a first entry for someone who's interested in Leighton and who's interested in Wright. Because I think both series I, um, share a kinship, uh, and, and there's similarities there. What are you going to say? I'm just going to say I'm desperate to like at least try either of these series. So if you're saying that it's series... So if it's good a, a good beginner uh, game for both the series, I'd definitely be keen to try it. Right, and the thing, the reason I say that is because not only do you get a, a taste of both worlds, so you get an idea of the gameplay styles, but I think the game is actually a lot easier than the previous entries, mm. which means you know you're not struggling through and you're not getting stuck on puzzles and being annoyed by them or not being able to figure out what to do in the court case because you're being held back or whatever. It just helps you to concentrate fully on the story and just not stop right there's no blocking point it just it allows easier access how much do the games overlap in the sense that okay so say in a latent trial perhaps don't you have to like uncover bits of evidence so what would there be like a latent-esque puzzle to try and uncover a bit of evidence for a trial that was about to happen or am i just making Stuff. Right, well, that's kind of what you would think, that they would mesh up the gameplay styles, right? But they keep it quite distinct. They do keep it distinct. There are a couple of times where you'll be in a trial with Phoenix Wright and there'll be a Leighton-esque situation thrown into it, but that happens a bit rarely, and it's nice. I like that they do that because it makes it fresh and interesting. It's like, oh, I've never seen this before, and they kind of just pepper it in there. And similarly, there's, I think there's only one or two times this happens, but when you're out with Leighton doing puzzle solving, um, it, it, a lot of the time the characters are together, so you have Phoenix Wright and Leighton together. Um, so it'll be a, a situation where you're using kind of the acumen that you've built up in the court scenes to solve a puzzle. It's like a court-based puzzle, which is really interesting. And I like the fact that they don't oversaturate the game with those and that they just do a couple of them because it makes it special and it makes it interesting for the moment. So that's what I, I enjoyed about about that and how they kind of cross-pollinated. Um, but for certain, yeah, the, the, there is... Uh, a good balance between the two and you're never really pandering after like oh i've spent too much time wandering around the town doing puzzling stuff or i've spent too much time in the court it's it's well paced as i said before so that's great and the other thing i just want to say for you know getting into the series so professor layton is known for the system called hint coins um where you're uh, when you're exploring the world you can look around each uh area that you're in to find these hint coins and if you're stuck on a puzzle you you basically pay a hint coin and it unlocks a thing which will help you out with the puzzle and try and uh, get you closer towards uh, you know figuring it out and what's going on what they've done in here is they've made the hint coins available to you in the court cases as well so oh, nice. if you're stuck on a part and you're like oh, i don't know which statement to press or i don't know if i should present evidence on this statement or this statement use the hint coin there and it does the same thing and like narrows down your options and it says right you can only use these and you you should be pressing on this statement and you should be checking this stuff out 
I think that's a great addition, and it actually does help a huge amount for someone new to the series. So, uh, yeah, without a doubt, Bally, I would say that if you were to ever get into either of these games, this is the absolute perfect fit, and um, and I would recommend it highly. And uh, and yeah, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I've heard. I was. I believe I listened to uh, an eight four play podcast from uh, like a year and a half ago or so. They had someone on the show who was a big Phoenix Wright fan. And she said that uh, Leighton versus Wright was her least favorite game. And I kind of understand where she's coming from because it is kind of a mix of the gameplay styles. But I think it was really great and, uh, and I enjoyed it hugely. So, so there you go. Um, Leighton versus Wright. Get on it at some point. And you people in America, it's coming over there soon. So don't worry about it. It'll, they'll, they'll give a release date, right? Uh, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> Sure Nintendo are so quick on their release dates. I know. I'm I know. sure it's, it's imminent. Sure. Um, before we close out the segment, I do want to talk about Rogue Legacy, uh, which is the second game I've been playing. And I just want to talk about how surprised I am the amount I've played of this game. Um, so this, okay, so this is a game that Jeff Kanata of uh, formerly of Weekend Confirmed and of DLC fame and you know Totally Rad Show. Uh, you know, a podcast that we love and listen to a lot, uh, proclaimed that this was his game of the year 2013. Rogue Legacy, game of the year 2013. I was like, okay, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really into roguelikes because that's basically what this is. You're going through randomly generated castle, uh, cast, a randomly generated castle where um, the layout is basically what's randomly generated. The, the rooms are kind of the same every single time you go through them, but the layout is different, and there's so many different variations of them that you'll never see the same thing twice. Um, and the objective is to go through, uh, kill monsters, uh, get gold, and spend it on upgrades. And it's a very satisfying gameplay loop. Um, now, Bal, you watched me stream a bit of this. Did you mm-hmm. kind of get a sense of why you'd be so addicted to like or why I would get so addicted to something like this um not from just watching I must admit I think it looked it looked fun I like I I like a 2D platformer like anyone does and I would enjoy that aspect I'm sure I don't understand the addictive nature of these randomly generated levels though I I I I'm a little confused Right. Well, just from looking at it, and I'm sure you might have had a similar opinion from just looking yeah. At I mean, it. from the outside, the, so the thing I, I don't think that uh, that I'm really down with a lot of the time is I like games with campaigns. Right, you do Same. as well. I, I so, have to agree. So we like to go through a story and and finish a game. Like I, I like the idea. Both of us like the idea of finishing games. It's like yeah, I have played satisfying. that. I am done with that. That is a total experience that I enjoyed and can now set aside. The thing with games like, of course, this is what I've been you know falling into. Things like Titanfall. Things mm. like Hearthstone. Things like Rogue Legacy. Mario Kart. I mean Mario Kart to an extent, uh, but. But, like, those games do not have an end point or a campaign or anything like that. It It's endless, right? It's an endless mm-hmm. game. It's like almost like an MMO where you're dedicating all this time, but you're not actually achieving an end point. You're just kind of going through and, and putting more time and more time and more time into it. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit, yeah, that's something that kind of drives me away from some games. But in the recent months, and recently, you know, the games I've been trying out and doing different things with, like Titanfall and Hearthstone, and now with Rogue Legacy, I've really kind of got the idea of why people are into them and and why it becomes so satisfying. And I don't know if it's anything that I could, you know, articulate, but there's just this feeling of... 
I want to go back and level to a degree. Like, I, I think all three of these games have experience systems where in, in Titanfall, you're always unlocking new guns. In Hearthstone, you're unlocking new cards. Uh, in Rogue Legacy, you're unlocking new equipment and better loot and all that kind of stuff. So it is like, it's this gameplay loop which you get stuck in and you always know that there's something you can go and, and get more out of it, right? It's The, the well mm. is never going to dry up. So it's always there for you. And particularly with Rogue Legacy... Um, it is a very good podcast game, and that's a lot of the reason I have been playing it, because I listen to a bunch of podcasts. And why and... you now have a podcast, Trout. Exactly, that's why I don't have any podcasts to listen to right now, because <laughs> I've been playing Rogue Legacy while listening to all of them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just kind of got its hooks in me, which I was surprised at, but I... Oh god, it's it's so satisfying because the actual mechanics of the game are really solid. Like it's an action platformer. The jumping feels good, the movement feels good, and the hitting things with your sword feels good. And I really like that. And also there's this interesting element where you know, characters will have different attributes to them. Like, one guy could have this thing where he has blurry vision. So the part of the screen which is far away from you will be blurry. Or some guy will have, like, upside-down syndrome, so he'll be walking on the ceiling. Uh, and that kind of just weird stuff that they add, these little um, elements each time uh, you start up a new character. Uh, and, I don't know, I think that those are more kind of gimmicky than anything else. But it's, it's a nice. It's funny. It's nice. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it adds. It, it really it? adds character. You know, it adds character to the game, uh, and that's fantastic. That's great. So, so yeah, I've really been enjoying it, and I can't stop playing it. And I need to uh, have an intervention because otherwise, I'll play nothing else, and that would not be good. I think now is a good time for Mario Kart Eight to come out. I think it is definitely, uh, and also a good time for us to get access to Wind Waker, right? Because um, exactly. that fantastic deal that's going on. So, oh, God. so that's great. That's great. Um, but yeah, I think that is going to cover what we've been playing uh, in the past few weeks. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I also beat Sonic Generations. I've also been uh, playing along through the Walking Dead and uh, the Wolf Among Us games, but uh, not enough time to talk about those. Uh, we'll we'll shelve them and uh, maybe another time. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to close us out. So uh, we will be back in a second after the music break with some more of your listener mail. Don't go anywhere. And we are back with the second part of our show. As usual, we're going to be covering uh, all the listener mail that you've sent to us. Um, But we are very quickly running out. There was, in fact, basically like one person emailed during the entirety of the last uh, 
two weeks since the podcast came out. Um, so we need some more. We're really running low. And uh, E3 you can... hype train. Exactly. You know, there's lots of stuff to talk about right now. E3 is coming up. Lots of interesting things happening. So please, if you've never written into the show before, uh, don't be afraid to. Uh, go ahead. Give it a bash. Uh, we'd love to hear from some newer listeners as well. Uh, and uh, you can address all of that stuff to our email address, which Bali will so kindly read out for you right now nyppquestions at gmail.com indeed and we will remind you of that uh, as well later so uh, let's kick it off though with the emails we have so far uh, and Bali has the first one this email is from Caitlin hello Bali and MBZ first off like literally every single piece of mail you've read on the podcast I'd like to thank you for your awesome podcast which provides for excellent entertainment when I'm playing a game You'll have to forgive me, as the first question I'll ask is in regards to the episode which went over the success of the Wii. The Wii was something my family enjoyed playing all together, with my brothers playing with me in Wii Sports Tennis when we got the chance. But there was one game that really boosted the Wii up more than a couple of pegs. That game was Wii Fit, obviously. Now, Wii Fit was not really targeted toward any certain demographic in specific specifically, yet it had something that everyone could enjoy. I had a lot of fun with hula hooping and balancing, but I knew a lot of people who actually used it for fitness. One of those people was my grandma. As hilarious as it is uh, to picture a wrinkled, cane-wielding, raggedy old woman shaking her (laughs) hips in a rhythmic manner with hoops, it actually happened. She bought a Wii specifically for Wii Fit, and I think she might use it to this day. She's not that old. Now, that Now, that info dump ties in because we were hugely different people. I was a young girl and she was a grandmother. People from all ages bought the Wii because it had something for everyone. It didn't target one demographic. It seems every time you guys discuss what would raise the Wii U's sales, you mention that it'll spike uh, when Zelda or Metroid or the Smash Bros or Mario Kart comes out. But the main reason the Wii was such a success was because everybody from all ages would enjoy it, I feel. So that's my question, actually. Do you think that in order for the Wii U to get anywhere close to the Wii, we need the big titles Nintendo fans will eat up? Or do you think that they need to open the door of accessibility to different people? Obviously, both would be preferred. But which one do you think will be more effective in raising the sales of the Wii U? Also, a side question. Do you think that the Wii U could have done much better at all if they had advertising of the other consoles in the console wars? I know they're doing their thing with the Nintendo Direct, but only Nintendo fans really know what that is, and there's not much coverage of games and commercials and such, or at least not in my experience. Okay. Well, uh, a very long email, but um, some interesting stuff in there. And, um, and yeah, I... Uh... I think, uh, where are we going to dive in here? Um, I got an idea. Alrighty. The main thing that stood out to me in that email was that when she said, obviously both would be preferred, referring to both hardcore and casual gamers. Sure. I think that was the biggest mistake of the Wii U, because when it came out, it was the way it's designed and the way it was marketed were to appeal to both and I don't think it is possible to appeal to both necessarily because I think the second you call it we you're obviously appealing to the casual market because that was mainly what the market was for the we but the second you you give it the 
you give us a big pad with tons of buttons, you immediately appeal to the hardcore gamer. So you're leaving the hardcore gamer feeling a bit iffy, thinking there's going to be lots of casual games, and you're leaving the casual market thing feeling a bit iffy, thinking there's going to be loads of hardcore games, because they look at this pad, and they see Nintendo Land, and they freak. Right. So I, I think um, they screwed up royally in that sense, because... So massive mismarketing's my main point. Yeah, uh, and they, tr- in trying to go after both, they lost both, which is... yeah. It's it's a shame and it sucks, but they didn't really think it through enough. And I think that what they believed was that the strength of the name and the brand of Wii would carry it, and it really hasn't uh, because it is this mismatch. It's a mismatched name with you know a, a controller and a system that doesn't fit. You know and. No. Um, if this, I honestly think, if this is, if this games console had had marketing like the GameCube or the N sixty four, it'd be doing much better because it wouldn't. I mean, even then, GameCube and N sixty four didn't have a huge amount of advertising behind them. Comparative, you know, to things these days, like you couldn't fucking escape Xbox One ads. They were literally everywhere, and they Microsoft shoved that down your throat. Nintendo have no advertising presence whatsoever. I'm surprised anyone even knows a Wii U is a new device or is a device in general that exists in the market because I I can count on like less than three fingers the number of times I've seen Nintendo ads advertising Wii U uh, it's ridiculous it's insane um, yeah it's it is I don't know it's re- we, we've talked about this a lot already um, on the podcast um, I would agree that the Nintendo Directs are quite niche in that it's just for the Nintendo fans. They, I agree that they don't feel very um, mainstream. Yeah. Well, see, uh, the interesting thing about this question is it ties in uh, to something that is kind of on the horizon, right? Uh, Nintendo talking about their quality of life program and uh, the stuff that's going on with that. Now, you know, she's talking a lot about Wii Fit in this email and mm-hmm. how that was a big thing for everyone and loads of people got in on it and it was a big, uh, big way to open up the market and get Wii to sell to so many people. Do you think that, uh, you know, they'll be going after that market by concentrating on the quality of life stuff and then essentially removing all of those Wii branded titles from the Wii U, focusing that as a more gamer centric system and and kind of transitioning over to the quality of life platform as a different market, just separating the two, right? Yeah, I think that's a smarter smarter way to go. And that's what I feel... I feel like with the Wii, they went full full hog on the casual side. And while obviously there was plenty of development put into Galaxy and Twilight Princess and all these great Nintendo hardcore market games, blah, blah, blah. I think that it was ultimately a system aimed at the casual market with the hardcore on the side. The Wii U was designed was designed and marketed as trying to do both. So I think an I- the idea, like you suggested, MBZ, of cutting losses and the Wii U trying to become marketed as the more hardcore and potentially have a new system for your grandma, Caitlin, um, that is fixed around this quality of life idea. I think that's a nice idea. I think that it's a mistake to try and overlap these markets, which they tried to do so blatantly with the launch of the Wii U, and it really backfired, and they're learning their lesson the hard way. Yeah, they're just trying to be 
the lords of everything and the master of none and it's it's not worked clearly it really hasn't um you know she mentions you know uh, how wii u sales will spike when zelda or metroid or we've mentioned that that will happen that those will spike um and i think that's certainly going to happen but at this point it just seems like you know that will definitely help the Wii U along, but I don't think that there will be a a casual title that comes on the system and sells gangbusters. But interestingly enough, Iwata made comments this week where he was saying it will only take one game to turn around Wii U. That's what he said. He said it'll only take one game, and to a degree, I mean, he's right. You know, there is that possibility. That's not out of reason. That's not a thing that could never happen. But I think it's unlikely. Uh, and I think that it's probably not going to happen. Um, and, you know, as as great as it would be if a killer app could come out, I'm not sure that it's going to. So, For example, I read something this week that Mario Kart 8 is predicted to be the worst selling Mario Kart of all time. Right. And there is no way that it is going to be the worst Mario Kart of no, of all time. And that just shows that Nintendo have mismarketed the console it's coming on and they've just mismarketed the whole thing because it's ultimately going to be a fantastic game. It's going to be a big improvement on the Wii version. I mean, we'll obviously give give you all our opinions when we've played it, but it's looking to be, in my opinion, the best Mario Kart yet, maybe apart from Double Dash. Um, so <laughs> I think that it's just... It's just, it's just a marketing tits up that's what it's become it is, it's, it's just a it's fucking yeah. nightmare it is so terrible and i don't know like i it just looks like right now it is going so south that it is unsalvageable and um i it's hard it's, it's what hard. what that tr- that dangerous line that nintendo walk with this quality of life thing is that i don't buy it is that I, I, as the main Nintendo fan, think this quality of life thing they're about to announce... Now, I'm, I'm kind of into my fitness, so if it's fitness-related, I might actually try it. So that's maybe one anomaly. But if it's this whole quality of life thing, maybe something like brain training, some that kind of improving your life and making it some smoother or whatever, I, I'm scared that if they turn me off to um, that kind of system then if they miss out on the mainstream market that all bought Wii's, then it's going to do even worse than the Wii U. And that is a a scary prospect. Yeah, I, I can't really agree with that point because they're not focusing on you. I think it's a deliberate thing where they are... Me and you are not the target audience for this quality of life thing. But weren't we ultimately... Weren't, weren't the people who are already going to get the Wii... Surely they had some impact on stemming the 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 hype for it. Sure, but if if I'm if we're not in that market that buys it, and they miss the casual, I don't I don't know I I, I think that uh, saying they'll miss the casual is something that can't really be said because it's going to be a hundred percent geared towards them. Right, and I don't know if it if you say it's not like we can't really discuss like the casual gaming market because this isn't even going to be in the sphere of gaming related products. This is well, a completely different thing. They're going down the road of you know sports companies essentially, and and I think that they're gonna. Well, we don't know yet, I guess. Right. Well, I, we don't know. We have no idea because it's just yeah. this concept, it's this this nebulous thing which is up in the air right now, and no one really knows what it is, but. 
for my money, I say that they are going after a completely different audience, and they're trying to expand their reach beyond the current audience they have. You know, they're they're, they're hmm. going after different people essentially in the end, and and that's why I think. When you say completely different, you mean completely different from Wii U, but you mean a yeah, lot I, of the I mean, who I mean, Wii's. I mean, even different from Wii to an extent. You know, just people who are interested in fitness products and that kind of thing. And that's a big market, and I think that they have, you know, they have credibility in that market. WeFit is their credibility in that market, and I think that they can do well with their name and the recognition of that, and the recognition of the WeFit brand to an extent, uh, if they push it uh, in that direction. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Cool. There you go. Uh, a lot of uh, interesting thoughts there. Uh, thank you for the email. Thank um, you, but, and uh, um, it's obviously going to keep coming up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that it is kind uh, of topic. So, um, definitely. Yeah, the next email is from Alex Carrero, and he says, "Dear MBZ and Bally, first off, I want to start like everyone else who writes in and tell you guys what an amazing and enjoyable podcast you do. Seriously, it's great." Now for my actual questions. I wanted to know what you think of speedruns. Do you ever watch them? Why or why not? Personally, I love to watch speedruns, even though they make me feel really inadequate because I know I'll never be able to accomplish those amazing feats. If you do watch speedruns, do you have any favorite games or any awesome runs to recommend? My favorite is Super Mario Sunshine. I've watched at least three or four different speedruns of it. Do you prefer to watch 100%, low percent, any percent, no death, etc. restrictions? I pretty much only watch 100% runs with a few exceptions. If you do watch speedruns, what do you think about abusing glitches? I don't like massive glitch abuse because it takes away from the achievement of beating the game legitimately. But I think small glitches are fine. Last speedrun related question. Have you ever attempted or thought about attempting a speedrun of a game? If yes, which ones? What game do you think you could speedrun with the least amount of practice? I know that's a lot, but I think they're pretty good questions. Keep being awesome. They are pretty good questions, for certain. Um, I am definitely uh, into speedruns, and I know Bali to an extent as well. Um, so I guess we'll just tackle up front, do we watch them? Yes, I, I have watched quite a lot of speedruns in my time. Um, what about you, Bally? How, to what extent have you watched speedruns? I've watched a few. Um, I have specific people on YouTube I watch, and when they are doing speedruns, I will watch them do their speedrun. And there's this. I'm talking about Super MC Gamer, who I'm sure some of you might have heard of. Um, well, his favorite game, like me, is Wind Waker. So he's a very big fan of uh, speedrunning that game. And he's sure. currently been doing a lot of speedruns of A Link Between Worlds. So yeah, when he's when he tweets that he's streaming, I, it's something I quite like having on in the background. Yeah, it's um, definitely it's quite background. it's quite good podcast material as well. Definitely, um, it's it's really good. And the basically what I've been getting into recently is watching the events, right? Because every year they have the speedrunning community has these two major events every year. Um, there's Awesome Games Done Quick and uh, Summer Game. I think it's Summer Games Done Quick. Um, uh, so one happens at the beginning of the year and then one happens in the middle of the year. So every six months they have this thing. And it's just this basically all the speedrunning community gets to like a hotel uh, and they like rent out all these rooms and um, uh, live stream essentially for like a week straight or like a few days straight of just people speedrunning different games uh, and talking about them and just 
all this great stuff. It's really a fantastic event, and you can find all the archives for them on Twitch, and there's you know links to them on Reddit and stuff. So they're really easy to access and watch. And I usually don't really watch while they're happening, but in the months following, I'll just go back and dip into them and watch some speedruns. Um, and the ones that I really like watching uh, are the games that I enjoy playing myself. So, you know, things like Metroid Fusion and Super Metroid and uh, all these classic Nintendo games and uh, Zelda games as well. Um, not so much Wind Waker because I don't have as much familiarity with that game, but Twilight Princess is a big one. Twilight Princess is actually a pretty long speed run. I think it usually takes around four hours. Um, but I've watched two of those and I really, really enjoyed them. Uh, and the main reason is is because... You you mentioned glitches in your email, and I actually really love seeing the glitches abused in games. I think it's really fascinating to see the extent to which um, the player can push this system and not completely break it, like not let the game freeze and crash uh, and still get through the game. I think it's really fascinating. Um, what do you think on the subject of glitches? When, when I first saw speedruns and I, f- I found out that they you would glitch the game and skip chunks of the game speed up bits of the game slow down bits of the game do all these funny things using glitches i thought oh, i don't like that i like i want to see this person complete it in the in a legitimate way in the proper um, way in <laughs> the proper way in the way i would yeah. and i initially didn't like it but then i realized Actually, you don't just glitch. It's actually a massive skill to glitch the game in specific ways. And it's timing, um, especially a game like Wind Waker and the Zelda games in general. They have massive glitches. Um, For example, in Wind Waker, there's like speed swimming. Yeah, which is crazy. Where you glitch into a wall and you sail across the ocean quicker than you can by boat. And it's like 10 times quicker as well. Exactly. It's crazy. Um, So... When I realize it's actually skillful to glitch the game in these ways, and I've watched MC Gamer painstakingly um, trying to learn a new glitch, for example, like he's been doing with Link Between Worlds recently, it's it's actually really impressive. And just seeing him, how happy he is when he pulls a, pulls off a glitch for the first time is pretty cool, um, especially when you're watching it live on Twitch. Um, yeah. I, and so yeah, th- that aspect of speedruns has definitely grown on me. It's it's totally cool, and um, I don't know, th- so many of these like frame-perfect tricks that people pull off, right? Mm. It is precise, precise timing, and the fact that these guys have the ability to do that on a consistent basis and, you know, continually get it right is amazing. I think it's really fascinating. Uh, so... Would you ever do an M- Would you ever do a speedrun, MBZ? Right, I was going to get to that, but... Um, before that, do you prefer glitched runs more? Like any? Do you pre- basically do you prefer any percent or do you prefer the hundred percent run? Which which is the one you lean more mm, towards? Probably any percent because that's basically with a game like Zelda, that's completing the story of the game in as quick a time as possible, right. and that's cool. Yeah, it's really good, and uh, I think the nice thing about any percent is that they're usually a lot shorter, so they're more consumable. Um, and for example, like uh, the, currently the Ocarina of Time world record and 
the the route that they have for for the any percent run of that is like 18 minutes at this point in time which is insanity and if you tell someone like i can be ocarina of time in 18 minutes like that's it's crazy it's ridiculous mm. but it can be done and through use of uh, all these glitches is crazy so so that's great um uh, yeah, getting on to the question of what game we would speedrun, uh, I think there's no question for me. I would speedrun Metroid Fusion. Uh, I've actually watched, uh, recently I watched a Fusion run-through, and it was a 100% run-through. Um, and that was really, like, there's not many glitches in Fusion. There's maybe one or two, and they're really minor ones. And I don't mind watching non-glitch runs as long as they're really well done and they're games I enjoy watching. Um, but, man, the dude who was doing it was so perfect he it was absolutely flawless and uh it just made me think like wow i i mean i could try and do this amateur speed run of fusion but it would come nowhere close to what these guys are pulling off um i would definitely never get into speed running um, for, for a number of reasons for anything um well eh, i'll explain but basically i i first of all it takes an incredible amount of time to practice these things um, and that's just time I don't have. I would rather be playing a multitude of different games than sticking on the same one. Um, secondly, in line with that argument, a game like Wind Waker, I, I might have only completed Wind Waker like twice, even though it's my favorite game. Um, I don't like, and I mean, I'm going to get Wind Waker HD and play that through, but I don't like a book or like a film. There has to be time between runs or playthroughs that I don't like the idea of burning through a story again and again just killing the story every time for me I like I, I like the idea of forgetting aspects of the story leaving it a while coming back playing it through and rediscovering elements um, sure. I, I like you wouldn't read well some people would but I wouldn't read a book four times through back to back like within the space of maybe i don't know half a year a year i i I like i've read some books multiple times and i like to do it um over a long period of time so that i forget parts and it's it's more and more enjoyable experience because i don't fresh yeah yeah it's not playing games isn't like i don't view games in the same way speedrunners do i would say yeah, I think like to be a speedrunner, you have to be a very mechanics-focused gamer anyway, hmm. and uh, like the games that I would try and speedrun, like the 2D Metroids, are like pure mechanics. Like there is story elements there, sure, but they are super mechanic-focused. And I play through Fusion every year. Like that's just a thing I do, uh, and I don't get bored with it because it is just the feeling and the the controls and, and that kind of thing as opposed to going through the story but what if you played it every week yeah like that yeah that is the thing where if if it got to that point i think it would start to wear on me um so yeah i do agree that it it is it's a too much of a commitment far too much of a commitment uh, at this point but um but yeah uh, if, I, I just want you to give an answer though if there was a game that you had to speed run if you had to choose one game which you uh, you know would speed run which one would it be Wind Waker because it's my favourite game okay cool uh, it's a really popular speed run as well loads of people love the Wind Waker speed run um, so so that's awesome that's great uh, but yeah we'll, we'll be playing that soon anyway so. oh yeah absolutely so, so excited um so we got another question from Chris, who's also called World's Boss. Indeed. 
Dear MBZ and Bally, been loving the podcast. I recently left a review on iTunes to say thank you and convey my enjoyment of the show and thought I'd email you a few discussion points that have been on my mind for a little while, although at the time of writing I've only listened to the first, tenth and eleventh ones. Okay. Um, so if any of these have been discussed already, then feel free to miss them out. Um, question number one. A few months ago, a rumor was spread around the internet that Nintendo would be bringing out a series of remakes of their classic titles for download-only release titled the Reimagined range. To my knowledge, that's a terrible name, to my <laughs> knowledge, Nintendo have yet to confirm or deny the validity of this rumor. But my question is the following. If Nintendo were to remake any of their games in glorious HD, which would be the most appropriate in order to see a healthy financial return? Wind Waker HD has has been met with a positive reception. However, other likely candidates, Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Star Fox 64, have already received remakes on the DS and 3DS respectively. Okay, should we address this question first? Yeah, let's get on with that then. Um... So it's an interesting concept because I think Nintendo have a fantastic back catalogue to abuse for HD remakes, um, especially of you know GameCube and Wii games. Um, which ones would sell the best, though? Which ones would make the bo- most bank for them? Um, Sunshine. You, yeah, I think Sunshine's a good I bet, think definitely. The, while I would probably argue that obviously Galaxy 1 and 2 would look better, I think it's all about the time delay. I mean... The reason Wind Waker HD um, is a good was a good idea is because there, there are so many Wii owners and Wii U owners who were simply too young when Wind Waker came out to have played it, and you can make exactly the same argument for Mario Sunshine. I think that there has to be, to some degree, a time gap. Yeah, and on definitely. top of that, compared to an N sixty four game like Ocarina of Time, um, which obviously was remade on three DS, but. A, Upraising a game from the N64 to HD. Now, I'm not like, you know, me and computers aren't aren't the best of friends, but I'm just going to say that is pretty difficult and would probably take a lot more effort to up-res. Right, they'd have to rebuild so many more assets than they would from a GameCube game. Like, I feel GameCube games translate much more easily into HD than, like, you would have to, like, rebuild the whole game visually for Mm. an N64 title for, for certain. I definitely agree with that. Um... You know, it'd be really cool if they you brought back like GoldenEye and stuff. Uh, they did actually a GoldenEye remake on on Wii, which was really cool, and I enjoyed. Um, but you know, those kind of games and you know, maybe like the rare games like Banjo Kazooie and stuff. But that would take much more resource. I believe there was a Banjo Kazooie HD remake on Xbox 360, anyway. So that's the thing that's happened. Um, I say for certain the Metroid Prime trilogy. Um, people are starved mm. for Metroid right now, and certainly to go, coincide with the point that you were making about people being too young uh, to have played that, um, the Metroid Prime trilogy did come out on Wii, but it was like a limited run, and it's really hard to find now. Um, I for certain say that that's a good one. Even if they stagger it and just do Prime HD, oh, certainly. it'll be, yeah. be quicker to do. I'm dying to play that game. I mean, I'm, I've never tried it, and obviously I'm having a little bit of a Metroid binge just now. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love that. Certainly. I um, would even I, re-buy Sunshine, to be honest. Totally. I, I would buy Sunshine. I've never owned it myself, so, so that's a good one. Um, I guess uh, Marika? Marika? Double Dash could be cool. That would Marika be nice. Really yeah. well. so, um, so, yeah, just just some, some of the big uh, tentpole GameCube releases, really. Um 
would be great. Uh, I know they re-released like uh, Resident Evil 4 on the Wii, uh, but that was just a controls thing which they changed. If they were to make that fully HD, I'm sure lots of people would be down for that, because a lot of people, uh, us not included, because we of course are not <laughs> fans of the horror genre, um, would be down for Resident Evil 4. So. Cool. So yeah. So his next question is, there has still been a lot of talk about how GameCube games should be made playable in some form on the Wii U, but I was wondering how worthwhile that would actually be. For example, Pikmin, Metroid Prime, Mario Tennis and Chibi Robo were all released as new play control titles for the Wii. Other games, such as Mario Sunshine, use, an an- use analog triggers, which the Wii U does not natively support. Wind Waker has already been remade, and Melee is already being revitalized in a way for Smash 4. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I guess similarly uh, to, to what we've kind of talked about... Um, <laughs> would you? So, the, I guess the real question is, would you prefer there to be a virtual console for these GameCube titles or would you prefer them to cherry pick a few and HDify them what is your preferred method of accessing these games both yeah okay I mean that would be great right (laughs) best of both worlds I own Mario Sunshine Um, sure I am not in a position where I'd be willing to download a replica copy of Mario and Sunshine to my Wii U I I think that if I own that game there's no point Sure. Um, if they made an HD version of Mario Sunshine, I would get it. And I think that, that like Wind Waker, which I'm going to get, um, an HD remake is something that is can tickle my fancy and make me purchase a game I already own, if I like it already, at least, that is. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that going for the best of both worlds would be great. Uh, I think Nintendo are definitely much more leaning towards giving you HD versions as opposed to giving a virtual console. Mm. Because, you know, first of all, uh, it, they're going to make a better return on the investment because they don't have to redesign a new game, but they can sell like it was a new game. Uh, and, mm. you know, for, for, I guess, minimal development time, get their money back whereas if they were to put out a virtual console obviously the games would be cheaper uh, they would be making a healthy profit but uh, they would you know not make as much I think as if they cherry picked them and took them out and I mean we don't even have DS games on Wii U yet or let alone N64 so you know the likelihood of virtual console GameCube happening anytime soon is is pretty low uh, they could surprise us at E3 and maybe that's the thing but yeah, I definitely think they're going to go the way of uh, the HD remakes and and uh, yeah, cher- cherry picking those titles would be would be really cool. So yeah, keep them coming. They're they're great. Exactly. So the final question, um, from World's Boss, is it's been discussed that Miyamoto is working on a new Nintendo IP which I am thrilled about and can't wait to welcome a new Nintendo franchise to the gaming scene. My final question to you you guys is this. What genre or even type of game should this IP be? Many would argue that they need a few more hardcore game series, similar to Metroid in turn. However, I assume it would have have to also be uh, such that it could fit into Smash Bros without invoking a solid Snake-esque cringe at the conflicting themes. You'll probably hear from me again if I come up with anything else in the coming weeks, but keep up the good work. Hoping you'll find time to discuss my questions. But that, yeah, so that was World's Boss. Okay. Um, this is a question lots of people have asked many times. This um, is... I feel like... 
a question like this is just impossible to answer. It's like it's like asking me in before the GameCube launch, come up with a new IP, and then imagining that my the, the game I've come up with is Pikmin. Like I don't think stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't a game like Pikmin, which is heralded as probably the most recent proper Nintendo uh, successful Nintendo IP. Um, Although I, it's just... not really, I mean, you know, hardcore wise, sure. Like, I mean, so yeah. if you want to talk successful new Nintendo IP, the entire Wii brand. Oh yeah, series, I, I, but... I meant hardcore, but yeah, sure, that's sure. What I should have said, um, but I, there's just no way I could have ever come up with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's impossible. I mean, you know, to a degree, the Tomodachi Life is something that's new, a new IP that they're bringing over, right? Like that's. It's been around in Japan, but the West hasn't seen it before. And, you know, it has similarities to things like Animal Crossing and The Sims, but it's just weird. It's a, it's one of those really strange things, and uh, we'll talk more about it in, in the news segment upcoming. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I think I think it's whatever they do, it's out of left field, it's ridiculous, and no one sees it coming. And I think, also, it may have something to do with the, uh, the figures, the... Uh, NFC figures that mm. they recently announced. So uh, a lot of that actually ties into stuff that we're going to discuss in the next segment. So I think that we'll just cut our losses here, um, close out the listener mail segment, and uh, we'll maybe discuss further uh, in the news because we have uh, lots of relevant stuff there. So um, thank you for sending in the, the emails. Uh, we are now basically out of emails. So please, as always, just send them in. We really love hearing from you guys. And we. Uh, E3 Up Train! E3 Up Train! Uh, give us some uh, questions. What are your thoughts going into E3? What are you hoping? Um, all that good stuff uh, to the email address, which Bali shall once again read off. NYPPQuestions at gmail.com. Excellent. So uh, that is going to close us out, but we shall return for the final segment where we'll just do a bit of a, re- a news roundup. So uh, don't go anywhere. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, the podcast. We are going to move into our third and final segment, which is going to be covering just some recent news. There's lots of uh, Nintendo stories going around uh, at the moment, and uh, I thought we'd just hit a few of those and kind of break them down. So um, uh, I believe we're going to kick off with the financial situation that Nintendo have been in. So uh, obviously, uh, you know, end of the fiscal year, uh, all things happening and reporting of... uh, issues with their finances and it turns out that Nintendo have had a pretty massive loss uh, they've lost 46.4 billion yen uh, which in uh, you know more recognizable money for the western world 457 million dollars which is you know it's 
it's not massively terrible, but it's pretty big. Yeah, you know, five hundred million. You know, you would you wouldn't want to you know lose that ballet, would you? That that probably wouldn't nope. be too great. No, nope. that'd be pretty bad if I lost five hundred million. Yeah, um, and they also reported that Wii U has sold a total of 6.17 million units. Now, put this into a bit of perspective, PlayStation 4, which has been on the market for less than six months, has sold 7 million units. So, it's already surpassed Wii U by a significant margin, um, a console which has been on the market for uh, far less than half of the time the Wii U has. So, uh I know this was really expected. This was really obvious. Uh, Bali, is there any uh, you know thoughts that you can give on this matter? At all well, I think losses? Reggie told us play the games, and then <laughs> and then he didn't give us any games. And I think that is Bravo. the biggest problem. <laughs> um, there's just not enough games, and I mean, all those games he was telling us to play, they were great, and I loved 3D World, and I I, I would I'm potentially interested in. Tropical Freeze, and they look. I've heard great things about that game, and everything Nintendo's producing is great, but there just needs a bit more. Yeah, like, I, I don't think anyone argues the quality of their software, right? It's always a high benchmark, it's always really good, but um, it's really just down to, you know, getting consoles in people's hands. So, yeah, the soft, like you said, the software is always of a high quality, but there basically just needed to be more of it. And I think with something like even the GameCube, there definitely was more of it. And that within the first year, there were Smash Brothers, Zelda, Sunshine, Double Dash, all these huge titles that are just taking far longer to come out on Wii U. Yeah, those hit much earlier and... Um... It's a shame. It's a shame that these aren't hitting now, but uh, that's the situation they're currently in, and uh, it will be uh, tough to dig it out. But I'm sure you know things are things can only go up from here, right? Things can only get better. So um, yeah, they need I mean... um, they need a money making scheme, and I think that that leads us nicely into our next topic, which is what could potentially be a billion-dollar industry, <laughs> uh, is the NFC figurines, right? Exactly. Everyone loves a bit of plastic. Everyone loves some plastic toys that you can interact with. So, Bali, how much do you know about the Skylanders phenomenon and this kind of, you know, how, how much has it impacted your perception? So I know that there were these... Well, first of all, I know that it was offered as an exclusive to Nintendo right. before Microsoft or Sony, and Nintendo thought about it and then rejected the idea. Right. Um, I'm sure they're kicking themselves and I'm that. sure they are kicking themselves. But what it went on to prove is that plastic sells and that, <laughs> and that collectible things that you scan into your game to produce in-game characters um, sells and the Skylanders was a, a, a success story and this was a new IP I believe um, yep. and... I mean so Skylanders originally uh, it started I mean it's, it's, it's far removed from it now but it started as Spyro Sky, like Skylanders Spyro's Adventure or something like Spyro was in the name Spyro was the main mascot but you know, okay. since then, Spyro has really been shoved to the side. It is a, it's it's an entity within itself at this point. But hmm. the, the, what they started it off as was a Spyro-based game. Um, 
I did think it was really cool with uh, Skylanders that you had multiple parts of each character that you would stick together. Yeah, that that I think that was the most recent one. Oh, was where, it? Was yeah. the one before that? Okay. Right. Well, there have been a couple of different sets, right? They just released these in different sets, and you know the sim the similar thing's been done by Disney and Disney Infinity, and that's mm. another thing that's been happening. Um, but but really. What I feel the the issue with Skylanders and with Disney Infinity is, yeah, they'll sell to this young audience who love video games and love toys, but the gameplay of those games, nothing really to write home about, right? You know, reviews don't say that the game is actually that much fun or if it's that great. I think. I mean, I've heard mixed things about Disney Infinity. I mean, I'm a massive Disney fan myself, but I'm there's some I. I'm tempted to buy those games and I would I would I think I would happily play them um because it is you're in the Disney universe and that is very appealing and that's obviously why Disney Infinity sells um I think combining that the idea that you have these strong Disney characters I mean Nintendo are always compared to Disney in Definitely. having strong characters yes. um that are iconic and and industry changing you could argue Mickey Mouse Mario these these characters they're huge yeah. and that is the selling point of these games combined with the plastic figurines that you scan into your game and the and the interact and I think that it proves that Nintendo is maybe going to get on the right lines. Yeah, so the the point I was eventually going to make is people say that the quality of the actual games is not that great. We know Nintendo make fantastic games, right? We know they have that part down. They can do that. They can produce software, which is of a high caliber, and then provide the toys to go along with that software. So if anything, I would be much more interested in the games and then perhaps using the figures as supplementary things to add on to that than anything else right and i think they're going to capture a bigger market by doing that by focusing on really quality software along with uh you know the stuff you know the hardware to go with it so so i yeah i'm really down with it and i i think that I don't know how much money I would ever put into it in total. It would depend on, I guess, the type of game. But they have been talking about, interestingly, that it's not going to be a single software title, right? It's not going to be one game that it's tied to. That it's going to be across multiple different series, and it's going to be cross hardware. So it's going to be 3DS and Wii U. So they have the ability here to really capture a lot of people because it is being so wide-ranging, you know, if you can buy a single Mario figure and apply him to multiple games, that gives the you know the customer a much larger return on investment, right? And I think that that is something that they may focus on. Um, it, do you think? Well, and what would you be your ideal implementation of this? Um, I this would both be an ideal one for me, and what I think is quite realistic, maybe, okay. is Smash Brothers. Sure. And unlockable characters, that's an obvious example, unlockable characters, but when you mentioned cross-platform, so 3DS Wii U, it's the obvious game that stands out in my mind. It is, yeah, it definitely is, and obviously they haven't released Smash Brothers yet, there's plenty of time for them, not plenty, like the 3DS one's supposed to come out in August, but there is ample time um, to try and implement this kind of stuff, they can even do it post-launch, but I mean, even uh, the extent of, like, 
saving you know the custom move sets that have happened saving mm. custom move sets like 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 a usb stick or whatever just saving those saving the data the information your, your win loss record maybe your account information yeah um and i and just I mean, bring mario around to your house Exactly. And I swipe him over the gamepad, and then all my custom fireballs come flying on your screen. Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it's something like that. Something to that extent. And I, I feel these days, like, with getting rid of memory cards and that kind of thing, it's so much more difficult for people to go round each other's houses and bring, you know, their their save file or whatever I think it's made easier on the other systems but Nintendo make it a fucking hassle they tie it to your system they don't let you really transfer it to SD cards and stuff and even then that's really awkward um, maybe doing that kind of thing and tying it to the figures would be cool because so, I was just about going to say that the save files so for example I have digitally downloaded Nintendo Land as I was talking about previously on the show right and the save file data for that game is in it's inside the game data there's there's one file i have nintendo land as one file on my hard drive yeah and if i want to play nintendo land uh, using your disc mbz with my save file i can't yeah it's strange. It's um, really fucked up. with discs, I can, because I still have a save file for 3D World that I can put onto a USB or something and bring yeah. to your house, but I can't if it's in the game. Anyway, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sidetracking the no, conversation. No, but I mean... It's a you bit know, weird. We, you, you get, yeah, we get, we get that. So, um... Yeah, I guess the NFC figures is a real enigma at this point. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with it and, and what's going to happen, but that's certainly something um, maybe you could email us in and chime in on uh, because uh, there's totally a load of possibilities out there, and I'm sure that E3 will bring us uh, more news on that situation. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll we'll keep talking about them because it's going to be relevant for a while. So uh, talking about relevant and talking about uh, social commentary to some degree, let's talk about Tomodachi life. Not social commentary. <laughs> According to Nintendo, they uh, weren't trying. Um, what a fucking clusterfuck. My god. This is a <laughs> PR disaster on every level. It is ridiculous. So, I'm sure you've heard the story by this point, but um, basically revolving around Tomodachi life and how, you know, you are not able to have same-sex relationships within the game. And kind of fueled by the fact that in the Japanese version earlier, Nintendo had removed a glitch which enabled people to have same-sex marriages. And, you know, this wasn't any kind of malevolent move. This wasn't something they were like, oh, fuck you gays, get out of here. Like, that's not what this is about. They had to get rid of it because it was breaking the game. Like, that was a, a problem that was, if it didn't get fixed, it would screw up people's save files, and that's not what they want. So... It was a glitch. It wasn't implemented from the beginning, but it has kind of created this, you know, this problem where people thought that they had taken it out of the game and they hadn't actually. It just wasn't there in the first place, which, you know, in this day and age, in this world, still, it's it's an egregious thing to do is when you have a game based around relationships, to leave something like that out is glaring. And I don't know if it's to do with culture or whatever, but it just, it does seem to me that in Japan, they're not really thinking about things like this as we do in the West. What, what's your take on it, Bali? I, I did a bit of research when we talked about this, and it does turn out that, that um, socially speaking, from a same-sex marriage 
um, perspective. I worded that badly, but they basically don't have same-sex marriage in Japan, and to some extent, it is more conservative than many areas of the Western world, mainly Europe, North America. Right. Um, but on top of that, while there are elements of Europe that are, are very anti-gay marriage, in the same way that there are very many states within the United States that are anti-gay marriage. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of young people, and ultimately people who play video games, are entirely in favor of um, same-sex marriage. And and that is ultimately the market that they are appealing to, and it's just a massive balls up. I mean, I tweeted this um, earlier in the week, but... Uh, for those of you who are fans of Eurovision, you'll know that um, a drag queen won Eurovision, and this all happened in exactly the same week as all this um, Tomodachi Life same-sex marriage issue blew up, and it just added the salt to the wound. It that, did, yeah. That the world, the Western world, specifically Nintendo, one of Nintendo's big markets is accepting same-sex marriage and same-sex relationships and they're just fucking it up a bit yeah and so the thing i think the thing which just was the worst was their response to the situation i think oh absolutely if basically i don't think this would have been such a big deal if they had responded in a way that was appropriate and that explained things rationally. And... But we should say that there was build-up to the response. There was, like, campaigning on Twitter, right? Right. It was it was a campaign that was uh, grown from NeoGAF, uh, a hashtag, which was hashtag MeQuality, and they were kind of basically approaching Nintendo and they're saying, you know, we really like this in the game. Is it possible, you know, not really being attacking or anything, just trying to uh, coerce them in, into saying something and... And Nintendo just made the worst response possible by trying to completely back away from the issue. They made it just... They made it sound like the worst thing ever by <laughs> by saying that Tomodachi Life was not social commentary, which is just... ah, It, it just stinks of their inability to understand how these things work these days in the western world it it stinks of the old japanese dude in the business suit who doesn't fucking know how to respond to this uh and it is it's terrible it was awful um it made things so much worse and since then since then they have come up out and apologized but yeah but an apology isn't good enough A, a patch is the answer and like I said, I'm not a technical wizard. No, and but... actually, I, I think I'll pick up on that point. I don't think that you can expect them to be putting effort into a patch because this game was developed over a year ago in Japan, probably more than that, um, and it would require significant coding to put that into the game. Can they not delay the game? They've delayed enough other games long enough. Can they not do it for this one game to at I... least please everyone? <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I don't. I think it is. It is too much of an overhaul. It's far too much because there are so many things you have to think about it's not just considering the fact that you'd have to implement that option but there are so many other things because a part of the game is having children right so mm-hmm. that is that's that's even harder to implement when you're thinking about that stuff like how do you do that within this game and code it in and still make it appealing to a young because this is focusing on a younger audience really to be honest like to do that is kind of difficult I think and um I don't know. I don't blame them for not being able to go back and change it, but you know, they apologize and they're like, you know, we'll do this in the next one, but 
it was just horrible. It was handled terribly, and uh, it was a royal fuck-up, so... <sighs> bad, bad times for Nintendo. They need to sort themselves out and not get into this kind of mess. It's it's not good for them. It was like, Nintendo's in the media uh, spotlight, uh, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, like, this, this hit, like, main news site. This hit, like... The mainstream, which was crazy. Uh, I, I was, was listening to a British politics podcast talking about it. That's in, how ridiculous. In depth. Yeah. They had a 15 minute discussion on it. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, there you go. Uh, the final thing we want to touch on is Nintendo trying to kind of cover up the fact that they had horrible losses and be like, oh, yeah, I know, we lost money. But, Have a game. But, but, here's Pokemon, Pokemon, by the way, Pokemon sells millions and millions around the world, and X and Y was really successful. It's the best-selling 3DS game. By the way, more Pokemon. Pokemon, right, guys? Pokemon? Pokemon. And, uh, and they announced the remakes for Ruby and Sapphire. So I'm uh, not going to spend too much time on this because there's literally no information on it, but they are basically remaking the third-generation games in the X and Y engine, in the 3D engine, and it seems like it's going to be pretty cool. There's a little bit of gameplay, Kyogre and Ground. It's not even gameplay. It's like a cutscene of them coming out of the water, and uh, some cool box art, and that's pretty much all we know about it. So not much to really say. Bali, what's your interest level in any way for, uh, for Ruby and Sapphire Remake? I'm interested but i mean if i'm gonna get a pokemon game it's definitely gonna be pokemon y um but i yeah no i i love even though i don't buy i'm probably not gonna buy it it's nice to have successful games on the market that sell systems and that's ultimately what um these remakes are gonna do and that's a good thing it's great. And uh, do you remember too much about third gen? How was your experience with it at the time? I really enjoyed third gen. Yeah. Um, and we re- well, not recently. It was almost a year ago now. Watched um, Nintendo Capri Sun having his very first oh, experience yeah. of Pokemon um, through third gen. So that was that's what's most recent in my mind. And it's a good gen. Yeah, Hoenn's great. It's really fun. Yeah, I think a lot it's, a lot, it's very underappreciated by a lot of people, mainly because there's so much nostalgia for second gen and, and, and those games uh, that uh, people felt a little bit let down maybe by the, the third gen uh, games, but they were still great. And I think a lot of the complaint was too much water, right? It would, the world was so covered with water. And uh, yeah, know, maybe they'll uh, sort that out and, and do some stuff with that. But, um, but we'll have to wait and see because that is coming out, uh, I believe, November this year. So it's a holiday title. It's their big 3DS holiday title, which, you know, if you're going to get a game out for the holidays on 3DS, Pokemon's not too shabby. Gotta say. And I mean, you definitely implied it earlier when you said, um, but hey, look at this Pokemon. But this was definitely an E3 announcement that they had to bring forward. Um... Maybe you don't think so. The, so, so, so the reason I'm hesitant on that is because traditionally Pokemon has never been an E3 game in its entire history. No, because it's too Japanese. Well, no. The exception was last year when they showed some X and Y stuff, but they'd already announced X and Y earlier okay. in that year. Yeah. The, so, so yeah. The thing with Pokemon is. Every time it's announced, it's on the Japanese TV shows or through Japanese magazines. It's traditionally done through those routes, so it's not really an E3 thing. So maybe they were holding it and they they kind of decided just let it go early. But I more think that yeah, it was it was more planned to be a Japanese release thing, but they had to get out early of that because of the financial results. So so there you go. Um, 
and uh, I think that's pretty much it. That covers a lot of the what we have been talking about, uh, all the all the news, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much our show. So uh, I guess we're going to close it out by uh, plugging ourselves and talking about uh, you know stuff that you can go do to help the show. So Bali, why don't you uh, plug away? Uh, come follow me on Twitter. It's great fun over there. Um, you can follow me at Ballyman ninety one B A L Y M A N nine one. Um, and I've been posting quite a bit on Miiverse, actually. So, you have indeed some nice yeah. uh, Super Metroid screenshots and good stuff there. Yeah, Nintendo um, Land as so well. If you thought my twer- tweets were dry, just wait till you get on to Miiverse. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, follow me on there. That'd be really great. Um, it'd be nice to have some more followers. Indeed, and you can uh, do the same for me. You can follow me at LordMBZ on Twitter, and LordMBZ is the Meverse as well. Nice, uh, you know, brand consistency there. Uh, no different names. It's, it, exactly. it works. It works. It's we a good thing to these do. these things. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, keep, before we go... Keep giving us some ratings. Exactly. Yeah, I was just about to say, uh, if you enjoy the show and you'd like to see uh, you know, it grow and get better and, and better and all that good stuff, review us, rate us on iTunes. It's really appreciated. We haven't had any uh, the past couple of weeks, um, but get on there, do some some solid uh, writing, and we would be super appreciative of it, and we'll give you a shout-out in the next show, which uh, is always great. Um, and then, uh, obviously, once again, the email plug. Uh, you can write into us at the email address, which Bali will recite to you. NYPPQuestions at gmail.com but Bali bot there uh, signing in for duty uh, as always um, and yeah E3 is coming up guys let's get hyped let's get ready for this thing send us your questions what are your thoughts coming into E3 what do you think is going to be happening and just send us questions in general uh, all the good stuff uh, we'll get to it and we will uh, cover all all of your thoughts needs and, and etc so that's going to be our show thank you Bali for joining me here today see you next time Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I guess Ballybot's going to close things out as well. Um, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Open audacity, open audacity, have the audacity! Let's not bother clapping, let's go. Yup! Yup! <laughs> yup! Mine? Mine? Alright, <clears throat> claps time! Time to clap it down. Uh, three, two, one. Yup! Fucking damn it, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> I had to get that in there.